Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Talking Indonesia podcast. My name is Ken Stiawan from Melbourne University's Asia Institute and today's podcast is about promoting human rights. Asia has long been lacking a regional human rights mechanism and is known for its criticism of international human rights norms. However, in more recent years, a regional human rights mechanism at the level of the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN, has emerged, a process in which Indonesia has taken a leading role. To what extent have human rights become accepted in the region? How are human rights promoted? Why has Indonesia taken a leading role and how does this relate to its domestic human rights challenges? Here to talk about these issues and more is Associate Professor Dino Isnu, Indonesia's representative to the ASEAN Intergovernmental Commission on Human Rights. Dino, welcome to Talking Indonesia. Thank you very much for the invitation. As a first question, for our listeners less familiar with the ASEAN Intergovernmental Commission on Human Rights, could you briefly introduce the body? ICER, uh, that's how we shorten the abbreviation for um, ASEAN Intergovernmental Commission on Human Rights, was established in 2009. Its mandate is to promote and protect human rights in ASEAN. Every member state has one representative. Every member state has the freedom to uh, appoint uh, the way they want. Usually, every reps uh, serve for three years. Uh, and they may be uh, appointed twice uh, in a row. But in some cases, it already happened. A representative may be withdrawn by the government uh, if it's seen as needed. One thing that we also need to highlight is that ICER is part of ASEAN Framework of Cooperation. So the nature of its work is intergovernmental. The establishment of ICHA and the ASEAN Declaration of Human Rights of 2012 are important developments in a region that for a long time had no human rights mechanism and has also been very vocal in criticizing international norms. Does that suggest that human rights have become accepted? Very much so. Human rights do have a future in ASEAN. For the past six years, uh, it was not an easy journey for ICHA because it's the face of institutional development and the fact that ICHER is still here and um, we have more activities than ever uh, means that um, it has a future. Uh, the thing is we have to uh, start outlining and working really more diligently to penetrate into ASEAN mechanisms because as I said our mandate is to be part of ASEAN framework of cooperation. This is not independent of ASEAN. You have just mentioned that the promotion of human rights is a core element of ICHA's mandate. Now, how do you do this in such a diverse region with also very diverse human rights concerns? ASEAN has over 1,600 meetings per year. And that goes from various kinds of sectoral bodies uh, in ASEAN, from the pillar of political security, economic affairs, as well as sociocultural affairs. And all of these are driven by the vision of ASEAN and by the commitment made uh, during uh, summits. So with all of these things being prepared, the work of ICER is actually to make sure that human rights dimension is also part of those policies. What happened in the past is that there is a gap of expectation from the public of what ICHER can do. Uh, certainly when we hear uh, the term uh, Human Rights Commission, there is an expectation that this will be the, you know, more similar to uh, Human Rights Court, uh, 
a body that's independent that can um, what you call it that can uh, handle cases that cannot be handled at the national level. Now that has to be clarified from the very beginning that that was not the design of ICER in the very first place. Uh, ASEAN understood that uh, human rights is an important component for uh, government governance as well as um, policies uh, in ASEAN member states. We cannot yet do law enforcement uh, alone uh, in terms of human rights uh, implementation unless everybody is already aware uh, of how you actually do and um, implement human rights principles in activities, especially in daily activities. So we need to create good experience and that's why I very much believe uh, the reason behind why uh, the mandate of promotion of human rights is much more pronounced in uh, ICER than its mandate on protection. The mandate on protection by ICER is very much uh, emphasized on us getting information to countries that we think are not aligned uh, in their policies, in their uh, decisions in its actions to human rights principles. In creating what you call a good experience in promoting human rights, then what kind of issues is it that you raise? Instead of talking abstract about uh, human rights, we want to create good experience that ASEAN can uh, make a difference through uh, solving problems and especially common problems that's already very high on the agenda at every member state. Uh, an example of that is the anti-trafficking, anti-human trafficking. This is uh, not only uh, at, the at the national level, uh, it is the priority of most uh, governments in ASEAN. At the regional level, we already have a convention, uh, the very first convention uh, that ASEAN comes up with to combat anti-human trafficking that's part of transnational crime. It took a long time for ASEAN to come up to uh, this convention, uh, if I'm not mistaken, about 17 years. The one who has to execute the convention is the SOMPC, Senior Official Meeting on Transnational Crime, which uh, usually comprise of uh, the police force, the immigration, and the um, home affairs. Uh, department uh, in member states. Uh, but if you look uh, through uh, further to the nature of uh, human trafficking happening in this region, the actors that should be involved, that should be engaged in solving this problem is actually beyond those, those three departments or uh, agencies. And that's the part where ICER needs to uh, be present. Uh, a lot of approach uh, on human trafficking is usually heavily emphasized on law enforcement and immigration um, handling. And turns out for many years it hasn't uh, given much, uh, much yields. Not only trafficking is still very high uh, coming from this region, it becomes much more complex and uh, some countries uh, including Indonesia and also Thailand, no longer uh, just uh, receiving and sending countries, it also transit countries. It means uh, something needs to be diligently done, uh, and there are many elements of um, policies that's very much related to it. Uh, allow me to mention uh, a number of them. Uh, first is the social policies on uh, civil registration, for instance. Second of all, protection for migrant workers. Third is social protection for uh, workers going abroad. 
Uh, number four is also about uh, sharing intelligent informations between uh, law enforcers and anti-corruption and you name many other things that's still relevant actually to all of this. Going back to the point uh, I mentioned earlier that ASEAN uh, has so many uh, things uh, to, to handle because it's very uh, ambitious actually in, uh, in trying to achieve uh, very tangible and very uh, big things in the very near future. If you see the, the agenda in 2025, for instance, uh, let alone the ASEAN Economic Community goal of 2015, if it keeps walking, it may leave behind these kind of aspects. Economic affairs is not just affecting um, trade or production. It also affects the labor. It also affects the choices of uh, women and children, as well as men who become part of those uh, economic activities, be it legal or illegal. So that's one example of what the Human Rights Commission can do. So um, I think many people need to understand that human rights, the span of work of human rights is very big. You can choose those who are already popular um, and very uh, obvious um, as the uh, agenda on human rights. But if you really want to solve uh, problems that the ordinary people can feel, now you go... Uh, Something like this. So the case of human trafficking is an example of identifying an issue that is of concern to many member states and then working from there, showing that there are many opportunities to promote human rights, as the issue of trafficking also touches on other human rights concerns. While this is important progress in the region, AICHA has also been criticised. It is said that the Commission lacks teeth, as it has no enforcement mechanism. What are your thoughts on that, and how do you see the role of civil society organisations in strengthening the regional human rights mechanism. Uh, thank you for that. So we have to understand that ASEAN is, has its unique uh, character compared to other um, regional uh, organization mechanisms in that ASEAN has no one country dominating in its contribution. All member states contribute equally for the activities in ASEAN, which means we have to split all those contributions for the many activities I just uh, mentioned to you. Um, we want to achieve so much uh, and we want to make sure it's inclusive. So you can imagine the Human Rights Commission has to also consider that elements. We are not very much equipped with human resources. Every rep uh, has to find their own uh, resources to do their work. And so um, the skill of not only building knowledge and bridging people, we also need to be very uh, con comfortable talking to agencies, talking to potential uh, partners in our work. So for many countries, that's a very first experience. They never do something like that before. Not to mention that the terrain of human rights supports in every country is not similar. You mentioned about CSO, civil society organizations. Not all member states have civil society organizations. So what ICHER uh, is doing at this moment is to create first trust from policymakers that the work of human rights is not a liability. Instead, it's something that goes along with what they do. We are not trying to create extra burden for the government. Instead, it should be part of the means to achieve what uh, they want to achieve. The second one, we also uh, in the process of convincing uh, stakeholders at the national level 
that engaging with civil society is actually beneficial and instilling the principle of freedom of expression, freedom of association um, is something that's needed for creating uh, accountable uh, policies. So it's really a, still a progress at making. This is just the beginning. As I said, uh, the past six years has been focusing a lot on convincing member states that ICER needs to be there. I cannot uh, tell you openly, of course, how difficult it was for us to convince other members to put skillful and experienced and, you know, good uh, representatives that can actually help advance agendas of human rights. So the criticism directed at ICHA seems to be somewhat unfair, as the body is still in what we can call its formative years, and it also still needs to build a lot of trust. Do you think that over time the authority of ICHA will grow? It is very much uh, possible. We're not um, trying to do it too fast, uh, because the thing is, once... um, you uh, do something too fast and one country feel not confident about it, then the idea may disappear. So we have to really calculate our move. The thing is, this year, uh, we successfully had a consensus to advance our demand to the foreign minister level, which then passed on to the summit level, uh, on the need to, number one, to review the term of reference of ICHER. And in that agenda is actually to uh, give more confidence uh, from ASEAN member states to ICHER. And the second consensus we had was to uh, increase the transparency of what uh, we do and the steps that we are thinking and we are taking to the public. And this because this is part of our education on uh, human rights to the public. And the third commitment was um, to increase uh, cooperation with the uh, CSOs. And this year alone, uh, we have approved the application of uh, 15 15, uh, CSOs from various uh, fields and from various countries, uh, which shows that there is a progress uh, at make. And um, this year also in Indonesia, we have started the uh, very first engagement where all the CSOs um, with consultative status were invited to uh, to ICHER event. Uh, where um, ICHER meets with the SOMTC on human trafficking. And we intend to continue uh, doing that. Indonesia is leading another topic, which is um, achieving of universal health coverage uh, across ASEAN. And this is to create um, a confidence as well that ASEAN can actually do practical things like that. And there are many ways to afford Um, universal health coverage. It's just a matter of sharing the knowledge and uh, making sure everyone is connected with the in in, in the setting of uh, policy makings and the SOM HD senior official meeting on health and uh, development is the one uh, responsible for achieving this universal health coverage and so we are now building the step-by-steps to um, to approach and to work with them as well as to work uh, through the SOM, Senior Official Meeting on Economic uh, Affairs. Clearly, there is a misunderstanding uh, in, in some bodies of us, ASEAN even, uh, on the work of ICHER. They were thinking that we are trying to interfere in their work. We are trying to create, as I said, burden, um, extra things that they have to consider. 
uh, they forgot that this is actually something that will help smooth things out instead of uh, creating extra trouble. You've mentioned Indonesia's initiative in this program for universal healthcare. Indonesia has taken a leading role in iChair as well as the promotion of human rights in ASEAN. Can you explain why Indonesia has taken that interest? In the history of Indonesia, we uh, believe, uh, and it's part of our constitution, that our duty is not only to create welfare uh, for our own society, but also to actively involve in creating peace. That's part of a principle of Indonesia's uh, foreign policy. And in ASEAN, Indonesia has been the one actively instilling the strengthening of ASEAN as a cooperation that help uh, member states to work together instead of competing and distrusting each other. Human rights is a very strong pillar of workable uh, democracy and Indonesia believes that democracy is a very important component of stable uh, politics and improved economic development as well. So this is why Indonesia is actively putting a human rights agenda high in the ASEAN activities. So human rights are high on Indonesia's foreign policy agenda. What does this tell us about the Indonesian government's human rights commitment? At the national level, there is competing agendas, I should say. At the foreign policy level, it's clear. It's high on the agenda. I think it's it's uh, for quite understandable reasons. The president also have to consider all the political forces wanting to, to get more involved in politics. So on issues that are not yet gaining consensus at the national level, uh, we can see we're still fighting. So there appears to be a gap between the priority that human rights have at the foreign policy level and domestic human rights issues, and especially the extent to which they are accepted. One can think of the death penalty debate, but also the question of solving past human rights abuses and the discrimination of minorities, to only name a few. Isn't this somewhat of a contradiction? And how can this gap be bridged? The work of, um, of um, promoting human rights in Indonesia is also part of my agenda as Indonesia's representative to ICHER. But because this is uh, mainly the agenda for Indonesia, not everything is the business of ASEAN. We actually work uh, quite diligently with uh, civil societies. Well, the, the fact of the matter is, as I mentioned before, there are quite many policymakers who are not yet uh, aligning uh, their activities with human rights principles. There are many uh, practices that uh, still require uh, further understanding that if you want to do human rights, if you if you really want to do more optimal output from your activities, then you have to put human rights onto it. Um, so there are still competing uh, agendas, competing thinking on how you achieve something at the domestic level. Again, this is a work in progress and um, across the world, there is no such thing as a short uh, path for instilling the values of uh, human rights. Human rights is a very, very interesting thing yeah, to keep working on. It's, it's very organic. Uh, a lot of it has something to do with communication. And the second uh, big thing about it is about policy making. And so politics, understanding politics and understanding how uh, policy uh, can be delivered is very, very critical in human rights promotion and protection. And uh, for that matter, I very much appreciate actually ASEAN 
um, still having this uh, Human Rights Commission because this is giving a different dimension of approach to uh, human rights, different from what people usually understand about human rights uh, promotion or protection, which is just usually on the uh, brink of enforcement only. We're talking now about making sure everybody support it. It's a very organic process. Thus, you're arguing that for human rights to truly work, they need far more than just law enforcement. Can you reflect a little more on that? I'm going to use the, uh, the very practical example of um, enforcing human rights. Let's say um, you have uh, past violations of human rights that you're not um, everybody's not comfortable with talking uh, in this region. This dimension would require everybody in the country to understand that it was a violation of human rights. We cannot impose uh, that decision upon that country if it's not the, the citizens themselves who say it out loud to the government. And the government has the measure of freedom of expression and protection of witness and a human rights commission that would channel their unhappiness, their complaints, their, their voice, basically. So the regional mechanism can only instill and interpret and facilitate and inspire uh, the national levels to move forward. Uh, can you imagine if we are trying to uh, just at the regional level uh, pick, pick the uh, perpetrators uh, and do uh, law enforcement. The problem is there will be political instability right away, not only because uh, the desire, the understanding of human rights in that country is not there, there will be countercurrents coming from that country saying that, oh, this is the agenda from foreign uh, administrations, from uh, foreign forces, and not only it will destabilize that country, it will also affect the cooperation that we are trying to develop uh, in ASEAN. And that's not good at all for, for the country. Definitely not good precedence for our very principle of uh, doing diplomacy, which is to instill good communications and to make sure that what we do is benefiting the, more, uh, the most people uh, living in that country instead of worsening it. So you're saying that it is really important that a human rights issue receives support from within to actually yield success. You've already mentioned that Indonesia is taking a leading role in supporting universal health care in the region. What are some of the initiatives of other member states? There are many issues that uh, iChair representatives uh, are taking up at this point, and uh, which means it's quite encouraging, actually. I'm going to also mention that in ASEAN, I mean, in ICER, there is the activity now to develop a task force for mainstreaming the rights of disabled people. And we actually narrow it down to make sure that the disabled people uh, will get their voices heard in terms of healthcare, education access, and uh, employment opportunity. So uh, that's another model that we are trying to do. And then uh, on the issue of environment, for instance, Myanmar is leading the issue of uh, environment uh, and human rights because it is concerned with the flow of uh, investment and the rising business activities across the region and especially in, in um, Myanmar. But at the same time, there's no uh, measure yet to address and to measure the impacts to the environment and local uh, capacity is still far from able to handling it. So 
as you can see, countries basically may initiate any issues that they think is urgent to handle, and they will lead, and we support each other. As a final question, you've spoken about the challenges of human rights promotion in the region, but also about Indonesia's leading role and what is done by Indonesia, as well as some other states, and the opportunities that there are. Are you optimistic about the future of human rights in Indonesia and the region? I have to say I have a mixed feeling. Uh, at the Asian, uh, at the um, IHR level, I'm optimistic that we can do something together. But the chairmanship of ASEAN next year will be the Philippines, and we don't have a rep yet. So I don't know if this will affect the nature of the cooperation. We don't know yet. For the sake of continuing with our work, uh, I think the feeling of optimism still needs to be there. We have more presence now. Uh, at least we are more known uh, to other ASEAN sectoral bodies. So that's a good sign. And we also all have uh, increasing numbers of partners from the CSOs. And we collaborate on many uh, levels um, across ASEAN, which is also good signs. Uh, and the media, we also have access and have engaged. So it's also another good sign. Dina, thank you for your time and insights. Thank you very much. That was Dina Wisnu, Indonesia's representative for the ASEAN Intergovernmental Commission on Human Rights on the promotion of human rights in the region. The next Talking Indonesia podcast, hosted by my colleague Dave McRae, will be available on the 15th of December. And a reminder, you can find the entire Talking Indonesia podcast series at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher. You may also be interested in the podcast Ear on Asia, produced by Melbourne University's Asia Institute and hosted by Sen Lam. You can find Ear on Asia via iTunes, Stitcher and the Asia Institute website. This was my last podcast for Talking Indonesia. Many thanks for joining me and goodbye.